Well, what a strange and provocative parable from Jesus that we have this morning. But in order to help us better understand what Jesus is getting at, I want to tell you a story about one of our Bethany staff members. Brian Jaster is our director of faith formation. And I've worked with Brian now for three years, and we have a lot of fun in our faith formation meetings. And oftentimes what will happen is Brian will get so excited and will come up with these absolutely absurd and outlandish ideas. It's clear that he's not actually serious about what he's proposing, but again and again and again, he'll pitch something to us that just kind of has no basis in reality. Some examples for you. One time, Brian Jaster said, what if we had 10,000 puppies in the courtyard after worship as a petting zoo kind of experience? Another time he said, what if we put up swings in the sanctuary so that people could enjoy all of the sitting just a little bit more? Another time he said, what if we gave every kid a pogo stick so that when they left for children's church, they had fun leaving the sanctuary? And then of course, another time he proposed putting a ninja warrior course into the outdoor courtyard so we would have something fun to do after worship. Now, all of these crazy ideas, you can ask people, these are actually true. All of these crazy ideas, what they do for us though is they get our attention and they capture our imagination and they force us to step back and consider a problem in a totally different light. These hyperbolic ideas force us to look at a situation differently. I'm telling you all this because this is exactly what Jesus is doing with this strange parable that we read this morning. It's a parable about a dishonest manager. And it seems so confusing as if we're supposed to believe that Jesus is telling us to be dishonest and unethical when we get, get let go from our place of employment. But that's not what Jesus is getting at. This is a hyperbolic and absurd statement meant to catch our attention and make us consider a problem in an entirely different light. It's Jesus giving a crazy example in hopes that the listeners will look at what's going on just a little bit differently. In order to really understand what Jesus was getting at with this story, this hyperbolic parable, we need to understand who Jesus is talking to. Earlier in Luke's Gospel in chapter 15, there's a group of Pharisees who uh, we're told are grumbling about Jesus and saying, this man eats with tax collectors and sinners. And then Jesus launches into a series of parables including this one that we just read. And so Jesus is using this crazy, absurd story as a way to attack and to force those Pharisees to reconsider how they're acting. A little bit of detail about Pharisees for you in case you didn't know. The Pharisees were the religious elite of the day. They had a lot of power in society because they were the keeper of the religious rules and they made sure everyone else also followed all of the religious rules. They were constantly frustrated with Jesus because he ate with tax collectors and sinners, because he healed on the Sabbath, because he just didn't seem to care about all of the rules of religion in the same way that they did. And Jesus' actions, of course, were directly impacting those Pharisees' ability to control society. His actions were directly undercutting their authority, their power, and everything that comes with it. The other thing we need to say about Pharisees is that they were usually pretty wealthy as well. Having all that power and control did lead itself to some financial security as well. 
And so Jesus tells a parable to kind of counteract some of these assumed Pharisee ideas. It's an absurd example that he uses because maybe Jesus knew that that's the only way the Pharisees would actually start to perk up and listen. When the Pharisee heard about a dishonest landowner, their first response would have been to be frustrated with the dishonest man for not following all the rules. Let's look back carefully at this parable again. It's Jesus telling about a landowner, a a manager for a landowner. And this is a man who has power and control and security. He has a good job that allows him to move throughout society, but he finds out that he's going to lose his employment. And so on his last week of work, he goes out and cuts the debts of many of the different clients of the company he works for. And he does this, as he says, so that he will have some friendships to rely on once he's lost all his power. You see, this is what Jesus wants the Pharisees to recognize. That they're so content on having their power and their control and their money, but that is fleeting. One day that will not be what you have any longer, and only your relationships will remain. Jesus concludes the whole parable kind of poignantly. You cannot serve God and money, he says. In the same sense, you cannot serve God and power or God and control. Our relationships with one another, our relationships with God are far more important than climbing the corporate ladder, than having all of the prestige, than having lots of wealth and control. You see, as Christians, Our job is very, very simple. In fact, when the disciples asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He simply said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Prioritize a relationship with God. Prioritize relationships with your neighbors. That's what we're called to care about. And God commands us to live like this because God knows that this is the way that we were created to live. Every self-help book, Every philosophical study, every mental health report will tell you that people are most fulfilled when they invest in their relationships. I've led hundreds of funerals in my career. And while people will often share stories about the deceased person's accomplishments, every time the conversation comes back around to the relational connection with that person. I think Maya Angelou said it best. She says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. There's something deeper, there's something more spiritual, there's something more important about our relationships than any of these other factors that we often throw all of our energy into. The parable of the dishonest landowner is an absurd story that's trying to help us see that. Friends, Jesus wanted those Pharisees and you and me to understand that gaining power and control and success are not what our lives should be built on. We were created to be in relationship with one another. Your families, your friends, your coworkers, these are gifts from God. And taking the time to connect and really care and get to know another person, that's always so much more valuable than whatever other carrot you might be chasing after at the moment. 
Don't miss out because there are big and small moments every day when we can start to make the world look a little bit more like what God wants the world to look like. Really talk with the person checking you out at the supermarket. Allow yourself to have a longer conversation with a coworker rather than rushing back to get more work done. Introduce yourself to someone you don't know yet here at church. Put your phone away in the evening and just be present with your family. It's all so simple, and yet these simple actions can change our lives and the lives of those around us. I've been talking this entire time about how God calls us to value relationships in our life most of all. But I want to close by reminding us that God is the one constantly working to reach out and restore relationship with us. In order to connect with us, God came down from heaven and lived as a human person and gave up his earthly life so that even death wouldn't disconnect us from God. And you know, another way to look at this parable of the dishonest landowner is to see it as a story about Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who forgives us all our debts, even though it seems totally unfair. I'm sure the Pharisees would say that it's dishonest of Jesus to forgive our sins, but Jesus does it anyway. Because relationship with God is more important. In closing, here's a ridiculous, absurd idea for you. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, take Jesus up on his invitation and prioritize your relationship with God and your relationship with your neighbors above all else. Amen.